Hello there, my name is Shirley Fisher and I'm an illustrator, creative business owner, and mom of two. I've been slowly growing from a part-time creator to a full-time working artist since 2016, so I know the joy and struggle of working for yourself and how mindset can impact your growth. It's here where we dig deep through vulnerable chats about running a creative business and uprooting our limiting beliefs. My hope is that you walk away from these conversations feeling empowered with a greater sense of clarity and community. So find a cozy spot, open up your heart, and prepare to be encouraged. Welcome to the Tillage Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Manufacture Awesome. Are you a product-based business wanting to bring new products to your line like tea towels? Perhaps you're interested in manufacturing overseas, but you're a little overwhelmed and have a bit of fear. Well, Manufacture Awesome with Rebecca Woolbright is here to hold your hand and show you the way to manufacturing overseas. Join others who've successfully manufactured tea towels and have gone to manufacture just about anything from aprons to planners and journals. I personally have been a student of Manufacture Awesome and I can tell you that Rebecca holds nothing back when sharing her heart about manufacturing products. I'm so much more confident in manufacturing overseas because of her guidance and my experience in Manufacture Awesome. Seats are limited and open up on April 18th at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you are at all interested, sign up for the waitlist on manufactureawesome.com because these seats will go fast. You can also find the waitlist link in the description below or through today's show notes on the tillagepodcast.com. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the Tillage Podcast today. I'm really, I'm always excited what we're going to talk about, but I'm really excited about this topic and what you'll bring to the table. But as I always say, I would love to hear your story, how you got into creating what you're creating and what your medium is and yeah, how long you've been doing this. Oh, thank you so much, Shirley. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. For people who are listening, go listen to all of them if you haven't already. I am a cyanotype artist, which is the oldest photographic process. And I run a design studio. I kind of call it my cyanotype design studio called Atwater Designs. And I have been a working artist forever, (laughs) but I started the business in 2017. A cyanotype is the oldest photographic process. And the way that it's created is a solution that I mix from powder and then paint onto paper and then let it dry in the dark. But unlike a photograph where you need like an enlarger and a negative and a camera, this is actually a process where you put objects over the dried chemistry on the paper and expose it to light. And I use the sun. So I expose it to the UV light of the sun And whatever I put over top of it, which for me is mostly botanicals, that will leave a shadow. And so it doesn't expose the paper and it will wash away. And where the sun has hit the chemistry on the paper that's dried, that will turn blue. And it is typically blue and white. People always say, is it always blue and white? There are ways you can like tone it and dye it and bleach it. But the process is that of like blue and white, which cyan is blue and type is print. So it's like a blueprint. 
it reminds me a lot of indigo dying. So, but on paper. So for those who are listening, imagine like indigo dyed fabric where you have that negative space where like the rubber bands have been or whatever. It's kind of the same concept, but with like a printing form, which it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I would love for you to tell me a little bit about how did you stumble upon this medium? And then I know you said you've been a working artist for forever, but what was the point in which you decided to make this a business for yourself? So I stumbled upon this process because I actually majored in photography in college. And before that, in high school, we had a really incredible dark room. So I spent pretty much like three years in the dark room. And that was when we developed all the photographs for the yearbook by hand. <laughs> Can you imagine doing oh, that now? Oh <laughs> <laughs> like totally crazy. So I just, I knew in high school that I wanted to study photography in more depth. And then I went on to study photography down at Warren Wilson College in Asheville, North Carolina. It's this tiny little school that is amazing. And I loved my college experience so much and spent really all my time in the art studio I majored in photography, but also with a printmaking and book arts sort of, I don't know, we didn't really have like majors, but it was sort of like a double major. Like emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. My emphasis in, according to my, to Warren Wilson, the emphasis was called multiples. So it was anything that you could make more than one of. So prints, photographs, books. And so I learned a lot about like different printing processes. And part of my photography major was taking an alternative process photography class. And that's where I learned cyanotype and salted paper prints and Van Dyke Brown printing and like all of these amazing, amazing old processes. And I loved them because it was kind of the marriage between printmaking and photography. So here you are in college learning this process. You exit college. What was the next season for you? Did you go straight into trying to make a living at this? Was there a gap there? Yeah, that gap is called 15 years of doing what I thought everybody else told me I should do, which is teach. Everybody says, oh, if you want to work and you want to be an artist, then you have to go teach. Like that was literally what my professors told me. And I loved them. I no, no shame on them. But I, oh, it was like, kind of natural because I do, I love people and I love teaching. And I do feel like it's a skill it's both a skill and a passion. And I liked both of them. And so I went into being a teacher at a boarding school and I coached and I taught and I did dorm duty and I did all the things. And it was really there that I learned that I loved high school kids, but I also wasn't teaching art directly. And I wanted very much to be teaching art. So the whole time that I was teaching, I was showing my work in galleries in Philadelphia and trying to do little projects here and there that people might pay me for. And just keep doing my work, you know? And then, like, I did that for about five years. And after that, I was like, I need to go back to school. So I went and got my master's in printmaking and book arts at the University of the Arts in Philly. And loved my, loved my degree, like loved my program, loved everything I learned, but I actually ended up spending more time in the alternative process photography lab, <laughs> even though I was like making books and prints and learning all the fun techniques. 
And so I did a lot of cyanotypes and other like alternative process photography during my graduate school. And it was then that I applied to get a, a photography teaching job. And I taught photography for eight years at a local private school. So but you were teaching high school students, but before were you teaching a different subject then? Or was it kind of like, because it was a boarding school, you had different teaching responsibilities? What did that look like? I was one of those young teachers where they like tell you to do everything. So I was teaching pre-K and kindergarten during the day. Then I would leave and coach field hockey and lacrosse to high school girls. And then I lived on dorm with the high school girls and did dorm duty and weekend duty. So I was just like working all the time. It was crazy, but I loved it. And it was like the perfect thing to do as a young adult trying to, you know, like trying to figure out like, what did I like? And it was really helpful because I realized I love teaching. I love high school age. I just think it's such a cool age. And I also was like, I'm not actually teaching the thing I want to be teaching, which is art. So then after this eight-year stint of teaching photography, what happened next? Oh, man. So it was actually during that time where I had free reign over... This program was really like better than my college program. So it was high school, but the darkroom was incredible. The, the facilities were incredible. And I got to like basically write my courses and teach whatever I wanted. And then I started to kind of form this idea of a business. I had always wanted to do a creative business. And I was just dragging my feet, scared, like not really knowing how to do it. Like I had the art and I had the education, but I was like, how do you start a business? Like, I don't know. And my husband is a little more entrepreneurial. And he said, if you want to do it, Sarah, like just do it. He was the first person to sort of say that back to me. Like, just do it. And I'm like, such a guy, right? That's just like, just do it. And I was like, okay. And so we started talking about like, what does that look like? And so we formed an LLC, like all the, all the things, you know, that you do when you start a business. I think it was like, you start the LLC before you get the bank account. Cause you can't do a bank account without the LLC. And then like had the website and like got an e-commerce on Squarespace and I remember like the day I hit publish, it was like February 3rd or something in 2017. Wow. That's sort of like the birth of the business. All right. So you have started your business, you got the LLC, you got the website. And from there, you started selling your prints online on your website. Were there any other things you were doing to have different revenue streams at that point in your business? I didn't really know anything except put your work on the website and like, talk about it. (laughs) So (laughs) I had Instagram and I was amazed at like, that was in 2017. It was still kind of late to the Instagram party in terms of organic growth, but it was still enough that there was just this like beautiful community of people that I started to see and communicate with that were showing me like, what was possible, which is what we were talking about earlier. Like, oh my gosh, who knew that this was possible? And I think as soon as you go down that rabbit trail, the possibilities just become so evident. And I saw it all over the place. I mean, I started following all sorts of people. And that was kind of when I got introduced to Emily Jeffords. And she was doing it. She was showing her work, sharing it, selling it online. And then she opened up a mastermind. And it was the coolest thing ever. I think it was 
it really propelled me. I remember the day that I got the email. I had like gone to the bathroom in the morning and I like checked my email, which I don't even do anymore. <laughs> Boundaries. Um, <laughs> and, and I got the email that said, I'd love to have you. And I went into my bedroom and I was like, John, I got in. <laughs> and he was like, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. It was just such a huge deal to be like at the beginning stages, have this person who I thought was incredible say, yeah, like, okay. Let's learn together. And so I was in a mastermind with her in 2018, 2019. Which I'm sure was so pivotal for the building blocks for having a creative business. Yeah. I mean, what we talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about this in more depth, but community is so critical because you have, first of all, space to ask questions, even like the dumbest questions, like, where do you get that printed or something like that to just people sharing like this is hard or this was this wasn't as hard as i thought or like somebody making more money and you're like they're a little further along and you're like wait that's possible <laughs> i didn't know that was possible so in that time i was still teaching photography full time and i started a class they actually my school kind of said are you interested in teaching any other courses? Would you like to like write a course? And I said, I'd love to write a course on entrepreneurship and art. And they said, great. And so I wrote a course called Artist as Entrepreneur. And I had the best classes. Like I just loved it. And the girls loved it. And we came up with ideas and prototypes and they did a presentation at the end. And I loved, I loved teaching that class. And so that was co like, you know, when you're a lifelong learner and you're a teacher and you're teaching the thing that you're kind of doing, it's just this beautiful cycle of, of learning. And, and, and it was, it was so pivotal. I feel like that class in relationship to my business was really wonderful. And then I had kind of had a plan to leave my teaching job, you know, 10 years out. And as I built the business while also teaching, it was, it was promising. And then COVID hit. And I got this momentum because I wasn't traveling to school. I was doing school on Zoom. And then I was just going across the room in my third floor studio and like working and then going back, teaching a class and then working. And my husband actually said, like, you're really building up a lot of momentum here. Like, what if you leave sooner? And I was like, do you think we can do it? <laughs> and he said, well, you're going to have a lot more time. So with this momentum give it a try. And so in 2020, I, I retired from my professional classroom teaching and went full-time with Atwater Designs in September, 2020. There is a lot there to be said as far as like juggling two things. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but there yeah. has to be this breaking point where you give yourself more time to build in a way that can be sustainable for the longevity of the business because yeah. at some point you just are going to be burning at both ends of doing two different things at once. So from that point on, I would love for you to share all the exciting collaborations and companies you've worked with because I just I think I think it's important for people to see the possibilities. And like you just said, when we see people who are doing things and kind of, you know, being that trailblazer, it gives us a lot of inspiration as well. So what companies and collaborations have you worked with with your your art form? Well, <laughs> there there's a lot of collabs on my website and there's like so many more to put on there, but I think you have can already tell that I love collaborating with people. I think it's so fun to be able to like say this is like my vision, this is your vision, like let's just share. And I think it gets back to that organic 
growth of sharing because it's just fun and because you just enjoy people or you think you could share audiences, but in a genuine way, not in a like weird sleazy way. (laughs) And so I've done collabs with the first one was actually while I was teaching and gentlemen from Ralph Lauren called me and I was like, Oh, okay. And (laughs) like this happened. Yeah. Basically I was like, I can do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) And they were putting up artwork in like four different stores, like California, Illinois. I I don't remember. And obviously blue and white, like it looks so good with Ralph Lauren. And so we worked on a series of prints for their stores. And that was the first thing where I was like, I love this. Like I absolutely love collaborating. And from there, I've collabed with local friends. So my friend Jackie Hennessy of Hennessy Pottery, we did a collab on her pottery where I painted cyanotype inspired designs on plates. And then, you know, she made the plate and she does this incredible carving work. You should definitely check her out. And, and then also a local woman who's like global at this point, but her brand is Jane Wynn and she does jewelry. And we did like a backdrop for one of her photo shoots. And then I've done collabs with Lily Pulitzer and their creative team. They arranged two different workshops and we worked through like the cyanotype process, but sort of in the starting off point for patterns. And it was so fun as someone who's studying patterns and making now I have, you know, like a wallpaper line coming out. It was so fun to be able to talk sort of on that professional level with them and see where is this going to go and how will it get there? It was awesome. So that's just a few of them. Brought up inspiration. And that's where we're going to head today is we're going to be talking about leading with inspiration and why that's important in our businesses. And so every artist gains inspiration differently. But for you, where do you find your inspiration for your work? Like, what does that process look like for you? I mostly gain my inspiration from the outdoors, from nature and walking I do a lot of walking. (laughs) Most of my followers are like just as much there for the cyanotypes as they are for like the nature inspiration. But I think getting out in front of the thing that inspires me, which is nature every day, truly helps me lead the business from that place. Because, you know, like it's hard. This is a hard job. It's a really hard job to have so many hats. To be a creative is, I think, in and of itself challenging. And then to be a creative entrepreneur where you're using your creative ideas to then make a living and learning how to make a living from that thing that you ultimately, it's like, it's sort of sharing our insides. You know, it can be quite a challenge. And I have felt days where I'm like, I don't, why am I doing this? I don't know. I don't even know why I'm doing this or where I'm going or how, if it even makes sense. But I think having the reminder of like leading with the inspiration, having that as my like daily connecting point, it just grounds me every day. Like, this is why you're doing this. And it helps me to get like even the dumbest of tasks that are really difficult and frustrating done because it's like for this greater purpose. We'll be back after this short break. If you love the Tillage podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate and review the show. This review came in from Chandler and she says, 
Easily one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I've listened to every episode and look forward to the new one to be released each Tuesday. The warm and inviting atmosphere that Shirley creates in this space is unparalleled. The Tillage podcast is perfect for any and all creative entrepreneurs that want a dose of encouragement, honesty, and relatable content, especially surrounding growth. Thank you so much, Chandler, for taking the time to write this review, and I'm so encouraged that you listen and that you love the Tillage podcast. Now, back to the show. So I want to dig deeper a little bit on this concept of leading with inspiration, because it's somewhat of an abstract concept. So when you're saying that leading with inspiration in your business helps you every single day, can you give us a little bit more like a concrete, like what does that look like? Is it just getting outdoors? Is there more to it? Can you unpack that a little bit further for us? Yeah. I think that when I think about inspiration, I also think about my why because I think they're very intertwined. And so what I teach in my mastermind and what I taught even when I was doing in classroom teaching is if we don't know our why, then we really don't know anything else in our business really fully. Like if you're not grounded in why you're doing what you're doing, then even this, the like everyday mundane tasks, like writing a newsletter doesn't make sense. Putting a product on your website doesn't make sense. Like if you don't have that connection back to why am I ultimately doing this? Like what is your mission statement? What is, what is the thing that drives your business forward? If that isn't at the forefront of my everyday, then like I think it can be really easy to get off track. I think for two reasons. One, because it's like an overwhelming job, but also because we're creatives. We like have ideas all the time, right? Like it's so fun. Like it's, I say, I say that to like the women that I mentor like all the time. I'm like, it's our job. We're creative. Like we're doing our job to have these ideas, but we also have this other job as an entrepreneur to be like, ah, just because I have the idea doesn't mean that I like get to go chase the idea every time I have it. Yes. And so I think the why is very much connected to my inspiration and So I lead with inspiration, kind of meaning I lead with my why. And the inspiration is that thing that continues to like connect me back to that grounding foundation upon which I've like built my business. And for me, that's being outside. For other people, it might be different things. There's so many ways to connect your inspiration. Like we're all inspired by such different things, you know? I love that you talk about your why being the center focus and then almost like the inspiration is like an offshoot from that, but it always is connected back to your why. And I've described your why as like a compass. It's something that keeps you on track because we all know, like you were saying, we can have those squirrel moments where we're like, oh, so-and-so is doing that really cool concept with, uh, I don't know, like maybe you're not a greeting card line, but you see someone who's doing greeting cards. Maybe I should do greeting cards now, or maybe I need to have my own candles. Having that really clear focus is so helpful. And if you don't know that, you could be making socks tomorrow with (laughs) your patterns on it, which is cool. But if it doesn't align with what you're doing, all that to say. (laughs) Right. Like it would be really weird if I was making socks. (laughs) Hey, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So when we're talking about inspiration, what does it look like for you then when you haven't been inspired and you're kind of in that lull of wrestling with trying to grasp at that? Like, what have you done in those moments when you just don't have that inspiration or where you feel like you are getting off track with your why? 
I think this is such a good question because there's two things that I sort of thought about when it came to this question, which the first one was I have this like really intense seasonality with my business because I need the sunshine. So because I live in Pennsylvania, the sun is not the best in the winter, although you can make a cyanotype. It just takes a lot longer in the winter. And there's not a ton of like vegetation and plants and flora like around to make cyanotypes. So that is typically when I sort of t- do a wintering. You know, have you read that book by Catherine May? It's fantastic. I haven't. Oh, it's the best. She's my favorite. It's called wintering. And it's really about sort of accepting this, this part of our flow that to winter, to, to, to kind of go inside is a part of the process. And I think that that seasonality in my business helps me to, just like be okay with the lull of inspiration. And oftentimes, like, I don't really push it, uh, to be honest. Like, if I'm not really feeling inspired, I try to step away and like do something else. Because for, for my personality, the more I push it, it's just, it's not going to be better. It's just going to get worse. And so I just try to step away and I try to do the things that I love to do, which is like leading with inspiration. So maybe I'm not making artwork, but I'll go to like the most inspiring store or plug into a museum or a garden or something that I know will like start kind of getting things to fire. But I, I typically don't really push it if I'm not feeling super inspired. I kind of accept like, eh, it's not, not feeling it today. <laughs> I also think there's so many ways to feel inspired in a creative business because I find I, you just said this on the podcast the other day, like that right now for you, the podcast and video editing is sort of a, your creative outlet because you're like learning new things. And I think that ebb and flow is helpful for me too. Like I try to, I actually think running my creative business and like website design and, you know, the way I market things and take photographs on Instagram, like I find all of those to be pretty inspiring. And it's interesting that this episode, I feel like pairs really well with that episode with Megan, because there's this and and this wrestling of like, yes, we need to be inspired to create work for our livelihood. But at the same time, we need to be very gentle with ourselves and also embrace the seasonality of what's going on internally, but also like for you and your business, it has to have lulls because of the environment. I took a small little class one Saturday and we were talking about how the seasons can actually be very representational of what can be going on inside of us. So like the winter is like, you know, we tend to go inward, we're inside. So like the fall is that gathering and that like storage. And then the winter is that like hibernation. And so if we can sort of think of ourselves almost as the seasons are going in and sort of through our lives, I think that that is also a really great place to just have permission. We're not always going to be inspired, but that can also be a benefit to have that hibernation as well. Yes, absolutely. I absolutely, I walk a lot. So my inspiration is absolutely getting out in nature and I've actually done a talk on this like a few times in the last month about the everydayness of walking. And I owe that all to my dog and that she needed to walk. So then I walked and then I, I've always loved being outside and like I've always loved nature, but I never did it on any kind of like routine basis. And having her really got me out into the seasonality. Like I began to appreciate 
a rainy day, a windy day, a, a wintry day, a beautiful day, like the beautiful day where like right now the spring is really sprung in, in Pennsylvania. And so like trees are in bloom and the sky is blue and the weather, oh, it's like the sun is on you and you're like, ah, oh, yes. But like, I am a firm believer in that wouldn't be as wonderful if we didn't winter, if we didn't have that period of rest and rejuvenation of like things being brown. <laughs> like it just wouldn't be as wonderful. And I love to see how those things are reflected in in kind of all aspects of our lives, right? Like even in like my marriage and our family and in my business, in my artwork, in my inspiration, like brain sometimes is really firing and sometimes it's like not so much. I've said this before to a friend, we were talking about these concepts of stark comparisons and just how thankful I am that we have these comparisons in our world. So we have the sweet and we have the sour, we have the cold and we have the hot. Like if we didn't have those things, imagine how boring our world would be. And so even in our businesses, when it's hard, it makes the really good times feel really amazing. And those those wins even more exciting because you've trudged through the mud to get there. <laughs> so I love that. I do want to push in a little bit to the area of talking about if you're open to it, have there been moments that you maybe have pushed yourself when you haven't had inspiration, you just have to get the thing done, but you almost haven't had like a moment where you've been true to yourself in your in your work because I I can think of moments where I I've done that in my work that I think oh that wasn't really true to myself. Have there been moments like that for yourself, or does does anything come to mind for that? Yeah, I actually think that's very much a part of running the business because as much as I would like to lead with inspiration in every moment in every everything, there's also a like commitment that I feel to my job, to, to my running my business, to showing up every day. Like I approach my business more like a regular full-time job. Maybe it's the years of teaching and having to show up for, you know, 15 years in the classroom, or maybe it's just my personality. I don't know, but I think that consistency is absolutely critical to like the running of the business, but it is absolutely also leads to like some moments where it isn't as inspiring or maybe I could do slightly better work or I rushed through something that if I had like thought about it more or given it a little bit more time. I can't think of a, a particular instance where that's occurred, but I can, I can feel like, I think like any of us, when we sign up for deadlines for various things like a show or that maybe some of that work isn't like the finest of our work. <laughs> Usually it's becomes obvious. Either those are things that my audience doesn't really like as much or they don't sell or it leads to something else. Or maybe I just tear it up later. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think this conversation, the reason why I asked that is because, well, it's this constant trifecta of like being an artist, being a business owner, and where does that inspiration come into play? Because it's always going to be bouncing off of each other. And like we've talked about, even with Megan, in the ebbs and flows of creativity, it does ebb and flow. And so I just wanted to go there with you and see if you could think of anything there. I, I also think that in terms of like the everydayness is like the everydayness of walking, like what that has shown me is 
that when I get out in front of the thing that actually just like lights a fire in me, I feel like I'm closer to that. Even when we have the ebb and flow, even when we have the like, eh, I'm not really feeling it or I don't have the energy or I'm just not really excited about anything right now. It still gets me closer than if I just sat on the couch. People ask me all the time, like, how do you get out and walk? Like, I feel like people ask that almost more about my walking and inspiration than they do about like my, <laughs> my artwork. Just kidding. But it's something that has become sort of a thing in my audience. And it's so habitual to me at this point that I sort of forget what happens when you first start getting out, like getting out in front of something other than like your home or your computer or your own like artwork. And in that space, this like opening happens, like an opening of our brain, an opening of our mind. And we start to see, we start to see these beautiful things or these things that catch our attention. And I, I kind of preach a little bit about going out for walks without my phone so that I don't get distracted. And what we notice in that space is so powerful because then when we come back, we're charged up. When we sit, when we don't engage with like beautiful things when we don't really do the thing that we kind of want to do, but we're like not sure how to do it or we feel lazy or just uninspired. We can get stuck in that. But then when we go and we reach for that and we see like that beautiful tree or the way that that bridge was built or some cool thing in a museum that totally inspired you, we're lit. Like there's like a little fire and then you come back to the work and you can see your own work differently. And I think the everydayness, because I'm always talking about the everydayness, but the everydayness of this, I think, is helpful in the burnout that we often can feel as creatives. Because if I kind of liken my walk to like the brushing of the teeth in the in the morning and the evening, that if we didn't do that, we'd probably have more cavities or you'd get some like gunk buildup or you know, your teeth just wouldn't be as healthy. And so I feel like the everydayness of getting out in front of my inspiration is sort of like my routine maintenance to keep creative. It's almost like the fact that I have to get out there, it like reminds me every day. And that reminder helps get through those stickier moments. And so that's what, like, that's why I I have this whole thing, this like philosophy on leading with inspiration because I'm actually like, I think that a lot of us creatives, when we aren't inspired, we can often go deeper into that because we feel so deeply. And what I have found is that by countering that a little bit and just doing it anyway, it's sort of like getting up and getting and exercising. You know, there's, you know, (laughs) there's so many exercise analogies with, with like running a business, but it's so true. It's like, Oh, I don't really want to get up. I don't want, I'd rather sleep in, but then you do it. And are you ever upset that you actually worked out as opposed to like sitting in bed? No, you're always happy. Like you're always glad you worked out. And that's kind of how I feel with like getting out in front of the inspiration, like whatever it is. If I, I was just telling a friend, like if bridges are your inspiration, just like walk across a bridge every day, just do it every day. <laughs> Remind yourself that that's important. Cause we as humans, I think we just tend to like fall into the like, we know that's important, but we're lazy. <laughs> oh, so true. Yeah. It's just that action, the action of getting and moving and that can look differently for everybody. But like you were saying, it's the persistence and the consistency that creates that inspiration. Even if it isn't necessarily that inspiration that comes that day, 
it's still leading with inspiration because you are still chasing after it at some level. Right. I think it's this like proactive instead of being reactive. You know, I've been learning. I think one of my favorite things about running my own business is how much I've learned about myself, which was like a complete byproduct that I know you talk about a lot with you and your guests on this podcast. And I love it is how much when you run your own business and you're in charge, but also a creative business, we are forced to figure out what works for me. How is my brain going to like do the thing? How am I going to show up? And I think when you're really invested in that, like, I think there's way more time spent in the like, just do the thing. Like, I have to just trudge through this and do the thing that leads us to the like the other side or like the side of like showing up. Well, and I think one of the things that I've been learning is that my business and my creative business I can think that it has to look a certain way because I am such a rule follower, but it, and it's like, if I'm not working from exactly 9am to five, then I'm not a real business owner. And it's also this reminder that, you know what, we're also creatives. And so if I need to take an hour long break to go for a hike or to have coffee with a friend because I can, that's okay. Like I'm not (laughs) a bad business owner because I went to coffee with a friend today. Like, that's a tangent there. But I I think that, you know, we have to figure out what works for us. And that doesn't always mean it's going to look like a normal nine to five. And that's honestly what draws a lot of people to this as well. Yes. And that's, I think where like you do have that flexibility. And so maybe that coffee with a friend actually is the thing that inspired you like that week, like the conversation or artwork shared, or even just like getting out away from your house. Like when we work from home, like seeing a beautiful coffee shop or the pattern in the coffee, you know, like there's just so much, there's so many ways to like see inspiration and be inspired, you know, to put on that lens to like look through, through the world, through that lens is like so helpful. Well, then I think this leads perfectly to wrap this all up for you. What is helping you in your overall like balance to stay sharp every single day to run your creative business? Like, do you have systems in place? What does that look like for you? The thing that is probably the most helpful in running the business is actually my morning routine. It's like the thing that if I do that, then the rest of the day always feels better. And I always feel more capable. I always feel more like awake. And my morning routine is I get up and I run and then I stretch and then I take a shower and then I eat oatmeal. and drink coffee. And then I go to the studio. The studio is like just a building like right next to our house. And then I can check my phone. That is a really big boundary that I feel like I've set for myself and my business that makes the rest of things go in in better order and like just feels like more connected. And that makes me feel like I have like I'm in charge and then being more proactive. I'm not perfect at it. Like there's plenty of mornings where I like sleep in or I feel tired or I might do the thing, but it's an hour or two later than I wanted it to. And I try to just like give myself grace because I think that's also something that we tend to do as women, as entrepreneurs, as creatives, as, you know, like spouses or moms that like we tend to spend a lot of time in the beating yourself up for not doing the thing, you know, if I did this thing, it would be better. And I'm just like, I try to spend as little time as possible in the beating myself up place. Cause I think it's easy to get sucked into that. 
I know that it's harder for other people. And I say that, you know, from my perspective, and I, I totally understand that doesn't work for everybody. But I, I, I think that's been probably the most active, engaged part of running the business is to recognize that and then make a very concerted effort to like move on, <laughs> which also is where walking plays in. Like, I swear every time something happens that like, you know, I can get into that place, like just going for a walk, changing where I am, like moving my body is paramount. I mean, it just is like the total game changer. <laughs> the longer that I do this podcast, there's so many woven stories of things that work for just about anyone. And so having a morning routine, moving your body, it's like a no brainer, but it's so hard to be intentional about that. But I've heard it said that having a good morning routine is like not procrastinating on your life. Like you are making a really good decision to like, get up, get going and showing up for your life because (laughs) it's really how, how easy it is to sleep in and all of that. But having that routine, it really is setting you up for success. And I can tell the days that I haven't included that in my practice and how they go. And so it's like you're saying, it's so much better when you have that morning routine. It is so different. Bonnie actually said this. Bonnie Christine said during Immersion Live last year, we tend to not break promises to other people. We often, you know, keep a promise to do a thing even when we're tired or, you know, whatever, when we're accountable to someone else. Yet we break promises to ourselves all the time. And that hit me hard because I realized I started to look at all the promises I break to myself that I say I'm going to do anything like things for my business or things for my personal health or things for my own education. And I just don't do them. And it, it sh- a big shift happened for me after hearing that. And I was like, forget this. Like I am going to keep these promises to myself. But also I started to think about ways that I can make a promise to myself that's attainable. Keeping the promise of like my morning routine has been really important to me the last, like really in 2023. Keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. And once again, it's like having that grace, but also we can't just like excuse ourselves all the time. Does that make sense? I think what we're trying to say at the end of this is that you're important and the things you want to do are important. And so keeping those promises are really necessary. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Sarah. Thank you so much for spending time with me this morning. And then also just opening up about inspiration and your story. And if people are so inspired by you, they want to see your work. They're like, what is this printmaking thing or this photography stuff? I'm interested. Where can they find you online and connect with you? They can find me at my website, which is atwaterdesignsplural.com. And on Instagram, same name, atwaterdesigns. And I have a wallpaper collection coming out April 20th. And workshops coming out. My schedule for the summer this weekend. And yeah, there's like tons of information about the process and more information than lots of pictures and stuff on my website. Well, thank you so much again for being here today. Thank you so much, Shirley. It's been a pleasure. Here are the key takeaways from today's episode. Connecting your inspiration to your why can keep you on track and drive your business forward. Give yourself permission to not push yourself to create when you aren't feeling creatively inspired. 
and perhaps think about how being inspired can look different from season to season. Just like getting yourself to the gym, being intentional in your everydayness of leading with inspiration will help you to be proactive and counter those feelings of being uninspired instead of being reactive later. Running a creative business forces you to figure out what works for you, how you are going to show up, and how you plan out your day. It's important to remember that as creatives, our days aren't going to look like a normal nine to five job, and that's okay. Having a morning routine can set your day up for success. If you haven't implemented one, consider what that might look like for you. And lastly, make promises to yourself that are attainable and start keeping those promises to yourself because they are important and you are worthy of them. Thanks again for listening to the Tillage Podcast. It brings me so much joy knowing that you spent your very precious time with me here today. If you want more, head on over to thetillagepodcast.com for today's show notes. And I'll be back next week with another episode.